On episode 330 of the Tennis Files podcast, you'll learn about the most important serve power leak. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Tennis Files podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. And today I want to talk about something that I have been struggling with for a long time and has been problem solving and reading and watching videos on and getting lessons for, and that is the serve. The serve, as we all know, is one of the most, if not the most important stroke in the game. It can help you take command of points right away, or it can help you (laughs) be on the defensive immediately, or it can help you lose points uh, with two two swings. You know, it's the only shot in tennis where you have full control over it. You don't have to move to hit the ball, and yet, even though that's the case, it's it seems like it's just the toughest one. But you know, in studying the serve. And, you know, discussing it with others and whatnot and going on the practice court, you know, day after day after day, I have found that the biggest serve power leak is the order in which we use our body before hitting the ball. This is otherwise known as the kinetic chain. And so a a definition for you for the kinetic chain or description of it is um, when you're using the parts of the body where they act as a system of chain links whereby energy or force is generated by one link or one part of the body and can be transferred successively to the next link. So you're using one body part right after the other in a chain, and if you don't use them in the correct order, that's where things break down and you lose power. So it's all about producing power from the ground up and in the correct sequence. And for a more scientific, in-depth read about the correct way to use your kinetic chain on the serve, I highly recommend that you read Dr. Mark Kovacs' eight-stage model of the serve. Big uh, shout out to Dr. Mark Kovacs. Uh, And I've linked this eight-stage model of the serve article, in-depth one, scientific as well, on the show notes page. And you can just go to tennisfiles.com slash podcast and click on the on this episode or go to tennisfiles.com slash 330. Or you can just simply look in the show notes, show notes page or description of the episode in your app that you're using to listen to the show. And this article is on NIH's website, which shows just how much credibility this article has, certainly from a scientific perspective. And so I'm going to get into the specific part of this chain that I've discovered is particularly important and a huge problem for most most players in a minute. But again, the kinetic chain has been a struggle for me on the serve for many years, especially as a junior, I didn't get as much frequent coaching as most top juniors. I still did get coaching for sure, but it just wasn't quite as much as, you know, a lot of those um, players who just were at the top. And I prioritized making as many balls as possible. That was really my complete aspect, full um, aspect of my game. And, you know, approach was, no pun intended with approach, was to 
just be consistent and get more balls back than the other player. And this certainly worked very well in the juniors. You know, I got to top seven in the mid-Atlantic section in the 16s and top 200-ish in the country. But on the downside, I wasn't able to necessarily make some of my other strokes, you know, as a weapon because I focused on just getting the ball back. And in particular, as you can guess, this would be the surf. So in crunch time moments in big tournaments, the priority, you know, as I mentioned, was to get the ball in. So that that type of approach makes people take shortcuts to ensure that the ball goes where they want it to go without with sacrificing the optimal use of the kinetic chain. So a big flaw of mine on the serve that I suspect that a lot of you have is that once I get to the trophy position, the racket drops before I rotate my hips and push my legs up. Well, uncoil, I should say, from the hips. I, w- I would simplify it and say that the racket drops before I am uncoiling and pushing up my legs. And so uh, Rick Macy, a legendary coach of William Sisters and many, many other players, and you know that's something that he mentions a lot as well, is timing the racket drop with the pushing up of the legs. And so the racket drop is essentially then um, forced through my arm motion. And it got me thinking the other day, going through my forehand technique as well, you know, I uncoil my body first, you know, so my hips and my shoulders, and then my arm is pretty much last. It's the last thing where it then as a product or a byproduct of the uncoiling, my, my arm then whips through last without me thinking about it really, or even feeling it that much. But I've always had this issue with the racket drop on the serve. Uh, You know, if you watch like some of my match videos, you could even see that. But on the serve, I've been, because of this, I've been working on the racket drop, trying to get it deeper. And so that has been, you know, going well at times. But then, you know, in doing this, I realized that by, by really focusing on the racket drop where I'm, you know, using my, my arm to do that mainly, it's become very mechanical. So this mechanical nature of the racket drop, I'm using my arms specifically, has further made me not synchronize my racket drop with the driving upwards and uncoiling of my body. And this uh, brought me back to uh, a few years ago, actually, where I went down to Orlando and then I visited my good friend Greg Lesur from Online Tennis Instruction. He's been on the podcast and summits many times. And uh, when we were after we hit and we actually filmed a couple videos, Greg had mentioned how the racket drop shouldn't be manufactured and it should occur naturally. So it shouldn't be something where you're just like forcing the racket to drop with your arm. It should rather just something where as a byproduct of doing everything else correctly with your kinetic chain, then the racket naturally drops. And you know, a few days ago, which had reminded me about my conversation with Greg, you know, one of my podcast guests, a recent one actually, uh, Nick Aracic from Intuitive Tennis, he talked about this in his um, serve videos as well, where, you know, again, performing the kinetic chain using your big power sources will naturally, and, and your big power sources in order will naturally fix a poor racket drop. Uh, when my friend Peter Freeman from Crunchstein Coaching, and <laughs> I'm mentioning a lot of uh, coach friends here, you know, when he looked at uh, my serve for, I think it was, um, yeah, for TennisCon a couple years back, or no, actually last year, 
you know, he had mentioned and analyzed how, you know, I was using, you know, my legs well and, you know, I was like landing athletically and, you know, he said I looked like an athlete. It's just the thing was I wasn't using the them in sequence, you know, where you're dropping the racket and then, you know, at that point, then you're jumping up. So then, you know, the 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 racket swing is really shortened heavily. So my solution recently has been to hold the racket in the trophy pose. And this is important to, to you know, I like giving solutions as well as <laughs> talking about problems. So, you know, solution for this is to hold the racket drop in the trophy pose as long as possible while concentrating mainly on the uncoiling and pushing up aspects of the serve. So it, honestly, I'm almost even trying to forget that I even need to drop the racket, uh, whereby, you know, at the last second, you know, after everything else has been done, it's like, oh, I guess I need to swing now. And, you know, it can often be very beneficial to perform extreme corrections when you're changing techniques. So you just go, go the other way so that you stray as far away as possible from the original technique. Definitely encourage you to try this sort of thing when you're making a change. So again, what I do is I am holding the racket until I feel is, is the very last second where if the racket doesn't drop, then I'm going to miss the ball completely. So I'm coiling my body, you know, back and down. And then, you know, eventually my racket gets into the trophy pose position. And then, you know, I'm, I'm all coiled, right? And then at that point, I am uncoiling, pushing up, and I'm still trying to keep the racket up in the trophy position. And, you know, I'm doing all this, and then I'm uncoiling and pushing up as much as I can, first concentrating on that. And then, you know, once that's happened, that at that point is where that's when the, the um, racket drop occurs for me. Like, that's, that's the big change, you know, where before... I was coiled fully, and then, you know, and I've been taking video, uh, lots of video. Probably like every 10 balls, I'll take a video of three balls, but this will fluctuate of me serving. And so before, you know, I, again, I'd be very coiled. Everything would look good, like great position. And then, you know, you'd see where the racket is dropping, going down, and not even dropping fully because, you know, it's my... Racket drop is being manufactured by my arm only, not my full full body. And then at that point is when I was pushing up. So instead, coiled fully, and I repeat it because it's really important and sometimes you don't get it the first time, you know, fully coiled, back and down, and then pushing, uh, you know, uncoiling, pushing up, and concentrating on that. And then, you know, last second, then, you know, as a byproduct of all of this, then the racket is dropping. So really important, you know, thing that you need to video yourself. And if you're seeing that you have an early racket drop, then you definitely want to focus on this kinetic chain, specifically this part. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. And 
it, it really made an incredible difference for me. The first time that I did this, I experienced a huge power increase on my serve. Like I just felt that, you know, where the whole body was uncoiling and then I just like a whip, you know, the, the racket would, would go down very naturally and quickly and then back up quickly. And it was really fantastic. But, you know, the job's not done. I need to work on this very hard and consistently. And I need to do a ton more reps on the service line by myself to get used to this. And then, you know, go back to the baseline. That's an important aspect that I talked with Peter about and that he talks, you know, he highly encourages is that you want to do these technical changes first um, in non-match situations, you know, service line first. Uh, you're not trying to blast the ball, you know, you just do it very smoothly, do it many times. And then once you do that on the service line, then maybe you do three-quarter court. To be honest, I haven't been doing as much three-quarter court, but, you know, I'll, I'll definitely do it like two baskets of on the service line and then a basket or two on the baseline and sometimes three-quarter. But yeah, I, I've been... Actually, going to the courts almost every single day at lunchtime with a basket of balls to work on my serve. And, you know, again, it's not easy, but the reps and consistent hard work are a must to even have a chance of making such a technical change like this. But I'm very motivated to work on this because even with this racket drop issue, I've been able to be pretty successful at the 5-0 level. I mean, you know, just you can even obviously like just search my name um, on Tennis Link or whatever. And, you know, fortunately, I've had a had a good year. I can just think of only like one or two blowouts that really sucked, <laughs> but you know, those will happen against my favor. Otherwise, I'm pretty good. But you know, you know, I'm motivated because thinking of already being, you know, pretty decent, pretty good at the 5-0 level with a strong serve that'll get me f free points, which, you know, who doesn't want free points that can make me a much stronger player. So you want to look at it the same way because it's obviously very tough. Like, okay, every day at lunch or every day after work or what, whatever consistent schedule you want to put. Like it's, it's, it's hard work, you know, there's no getting around it, but you know, I've been listening to a lot of David Goggins as well. He has a great book called Can't Hurt Me, which I think I mentioned maybe a few years back, but I've been rereading it and listening to his, his YouTube chats or discussions and speeches and interviews again. And it's just all part of it where you just have a, you have to have a strong mentality and you have to become an, the uncommon sort of person, you know, because most of the common people, they'll just, um, they'll try, they'll go on the court a few times, try some reps, play a match, it'll all revert back and they'll say, you know, screw this, I'm just going to do what I normally do or it's too late to change, things like that. But I mean, you see people changing all the time, even in their you know, 60s, 70s, 80s. I was, I saw a post about a, a lady the other day who I think at 81 years old, she learned how to program and she created an app for, for older folks to um, prove their cognitive skills through games. I mean, can you imagine that? So yeah, I uh, just, again, you know, put in the hard work. And another thing that David Goggins said is it's, it's easy to be great now because most people are soft. So again, the soft is, is just not, anyone, not wanting to put in the hard work. You know, you have the voice that says, let's take it easy today. Oh, you know, we don't need to go practice. It's, it's a little cold outside. It's a little this, it's a little that. You know, I notice, um, you know, my brain will just try to manufacture the biggest excuses possible. Like actually, I'm kind of going off a little tangent, but I think it's very important in terms of like the hard work aspect of tennis where 
you know, today, like it was raining and it was, it was cold and whatnot. And, you know, I usually go for like a, a morning walk, but you know, the weather wasn't great. And I was thinking, ah, you know, let's just do some yoga inside. But then I, I try, I tried my best to, um, try to, as he says, you know, stay hard, just try to be disciplined and no matter what condition, you know, keep up your routines. I went out there and, and walked in the, you know, cold and rain or whatever. And that may, may not really seem by, like much, but it's definitely a, a mental victory. So, you know, all that to say, I think you need to put in consistent hard work if you want to make, especially you want to make a technical change. But you do have to keep in mind how much it'll help you, help your game, help your happiness on the court. And how you can beat people like, you know, how you can get, get ahead of the rest like this. Yeah, I'll definitely be working on it, excited to do it. And, you know, as we've talked about, playing matches does make it much harder to change your technique. For example, the other day, actually on Saturday, me and my mixed doubles partner, Kate, played our friends Azan and Marquetta in a USTA 10-0 mixed doubles match. So shout out to all these peeps. And things were going quite swimmingly, to be honest, in the first set, which we won 6-2. You know, we've played them before, and I know that they're very capable of the strong second set, certainly, you know, maybe slow start and then strong second set. So in the second set, they stepped it up and our level dropped a bit. And then they took the second set in a tie break. Uh, unfortunately, in the third set, third set, 10 point tiebreaker, me and Kate got off to a hot start up 4-1. Then eventually got up to like 8-4 or 9-5 and won. I think we won either 10-4, 10-5, something like that. But it was, you know, pretty, pretty good one. But what really irked me and was really tough uh, mentally, especially, is you know even though I've been practicing my serve, I I noticed it deteriorating, you know, to the older form. Despite all my hard work, you know, I noticed myself reverting to my old technique, especially as the second set got really tight, a lot of really tense games, serving, you know, like five all and tiebreaker things like that. But the thing is, that's totally normal and nothing to get upset about. Uh, as Peter would say, you know, you just, you keep practicing the new technique and then do what you have to do in the match and then go right back to practicing your, your new technique. So we'll just have to keep getting on the practice court and getting the reps in and especially taking advantage of maybe a little bit of a slower season now in the winter, uh, potentially. So that that's going to be good. Just to recap, you really want to work on using your kinetic chain properly and in the proper order very importantly, to maximize your power and spin on your serve and really all your shots. So when you're in the racket drop position, uncoil and explode up before you start the racket drop. This will lengthen your swing, increase the velocity of the racket swing, and therefore give you more power and spin. So I hope this was helpful for you. And if you enjoyed it, I would really appreciate it if you leave a review for the show. You can do that at tennisfiles.com slash podcast casts with an S at the end or in your favorite podcast app of choice that you use to listen to the show. I just find that leaving a review via Apple Podcasts helps the show the most in terms of visibility and ranking and so forth. And really, it's mainly the visibility to spread the show to more people through the Apple Podcasts. But, you know, any review is much appreciated. also want to leave you a review. I'm sorry, <laughs> leave you a quote. You leave the review. I'll, I'll leave you with the quote. Leave you with a quote by Tony Robbins, um, whether you like him or not, but one of his quotes here is, your life is controlled by what you focus on. Very, very true. It seems very simple, but 
you know, if you got to think about what you're focusing on, you know, if it's random stupid stuff, then uh, maybe that's what's controlling you, you know? So I hope you liked that one. I hope you really enjoyed the episode. And uh, looking forward to bringing you some fun episodes and interviews coming down the pike. And if you have ideas on what you want me to produce in terms of content, whether that be on the podcast, video, YouTube, whatever, just let me know. Newsletter, anything. Uh, newsletter, by the way, if you go to tennisfiles.com, you can subscribe there and I'll be in touch with you. But yeah, and, and give you some really cool resources as well that I think will really help your game. But with that, thank you very much for listening. I'll see you on the next episode of the Tennis Files podcast. This is your faithful host, Mirban Aranchad, signing out. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit tennisfiles.com.